tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops. Come with us if you want to live. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. And tonight is a solemn affair. We are mourning the death of the Terminator franchise. At long last, we finally got a sequel worthy of its name, and it flopped. Badly. So cue the loser's music from The Price is Right. Before we get into whether or not we thought this movie deserved <coughs> its fate, see what I did there? Along Ouch. with me are Just Chumzilla. Howdy, folks. How's everybody doing tonight? Uh, Captain Cash was supposed to be with us on this one. He had three weeks to see the movie. He failed. So now we will publicly shame him. Shame. 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 What a clown. Uh, and even though... He is an ass clown. We'll still have him back for Jingle All The Way. So points of order. You can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Hops and B.O. Flops. And you can find myself at Writer TLK. The movie, this is a fairly new movie. It came out November 1st. So if you haven't seen it, uh, it's pretty much effectively had its theatrical run terminated. Oof. Uh, but it does come out on Blu-ray January 28th. Pretty quick turnaround, but that's the norm these days. And so I'm sure it'll be on digital a few weeks before that. So, Chumzilla, what are we drinking tonight? Well, <clears throat> in honor of the movie and its title, we've got a dark beer to go along with its dark fate, which is both literal and figurative. So we've got a, uh, a sticky stout here from Red Hair Brewing coming out of Marietta, Georgia, and it is uh, an oatmeal stout clocking in at a respectable 6.25 ABV, and it is your standard chocolatey, slightly roasted, smooth-pouring oatmeal stout, and hey, you know what? Cheers to Arnold. Yes, cheers to Arnold. Uh, Let's dive right in, because like almost every Terminator movie sans salvation, this movie did bring Arnold back. But it also brought back the other two, I think, key elements to what made Terminator 1 and 2 so great. Jim Cameron produced, wrote the story, and Linda Hamilton, who was back for the first time since Judgment Day. She is a badass, and she owns this movie. Whoa, 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 wait. No love for Michael Bean or uh, Edward Furlong? Ouch. Well, you know, Bean is is the crucial ingredient of the first movie. Edward Furlong is pretty horrific in T2. And I understand he's a child actor, but he's very, very annoying. And if that movie wasn't as awesome as it is, it could easily be ruined by his nasally, whiny, annoying presence. And, and not to get too far into the plot here, but he was also very disappointed in his very abbreviated cameo 
in yeah, this film. I mean, he does make a cameo. Uh, yeah. spo- I'm going to try not to spoil the specifics of this movie since it is a newer movie. Whoa, whoa, but... whoa, whoa. Wait, hold on. If anybody wanted to see this movie, they needed to get their butts in the seats way prior to this because it's gone. Like, it, spoiler it alerts gone. are thrown out the window. So, as I said, released November 1st, 2019, within just days of its premiere. I'm talking November 3rd. Articles were hitting across the internet. I pulled one from Variety, noting how much trouble it was in because it was projected to make just $131 million worldwide in that opening weekend, considering it costs anywhere from 185 to 196 plus another 100 to market. They were estimating it was looking at $100 million in losses, which is not good. Uh, to date, it's made $258 million. Not very good. And that is $180 million less than Genesis. This is a much better movie than Genesis. Genesis was a steaming turd. Uh, And I think when we get to it later, discussing why this flopped exactly, I think the existence of Genesis could be an explanation. It is criminal that this movie is doing worse than Genesis. Yeah. I mean, it did worse than Salvation, too. And I that's... You know, not to get too far ahead, but I don't like that one either. <laughs> well, well, Christian Bale was a big name. Yeah, that's true. Christian he was, Bale was a big name at the time. He was coming off or in the midst of being the biggest movie star in the world with Batman. So Yes. What was most shocking to me is that when you look at the numbers and comparing these two, this movie got good reviews. 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. Genesis was 29. Audiences also seem to like this much better. 82% user score versus a 53% user score. Although they don't, they both did get a B plus cinema score, which is weird because it's like the day of. You you don't really have time to reflect. It's like as you leave the theater. But still, I'm surprised Genesis got a B plus because that movie's a hot mess. Mm. What was also surprising is that. You think that if if fans are generally enjoying it and critics seem to like it, it may not have had a good opening weekend, but maybe it would carry legs. Like, oh, well, the second weekend doesn't drop very much. No, this drops 62%. And if you make $29 million in your opening weekend domestically and you drop 62%, that is awful. I just, I, it, it's kind of mind-blowing to me. I have a theory on that. And I'll harken back to my theory on why the thing kind of bombed being a a winter themed movie dropping in the summer. I feel like this movie was very satisfying to hardcore Terminator fans that enjoyed the James Cameron arc of the first two movies. It did give some closure, but did it build on the story? Did it deliver that step up that T2 did? No, that I think that's why it didn't, like it wasn't a slam dunk with general audiences because it satisfied the hardcore fans who saw it opening weekend. But the word of mouth wasn't like, Oh, you got to see this. There's this cool thing. There was nothing in this movie that jumped out the same way that the T 1000 did in T two. It just didn't up the ante. And that, I think that's what failed it because it became a satisfying movie to hardcore fans, but it didn't like, jump to that next level let's sit on that for just a moment because i do cool, think cool. uh i do think there's some some fantastic moments which is going to lead me to add a category 
because we generally do best action scene when we do action movies. But before we get there, another thing, right? This was directed by Tim Deadpool Miller, who is pretty beloved in the fanboy community. And most people were pretty pissed when he parted ways with Deadpool 2 because uh, in the minds of a lot of fans, he was one of the, the key cooks in that kitchen. Uh, starring sure. Arnold Carl's Drapes Schwarzenegger, Linda Dante's Peak Sucks Hamilton, uh, Mackenzie Halt and Catchfire Davis, who I really liked in this movie, and I think they criminally left her with nothing to do. Uh, Gabriel, I'm the car ghostwriter, Luna, and Natalia Reyes, who I wasn't overly familiar with. I don't think she's been a whole lot aside from this. Oh, wait, fun fact here Halt and Catchfire filmed in the office building next to where I work. That's actually, that is a fun fact. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. It, the building next to us, is it's a twin of the building I'm in, and it was mostly empty. And so the owners rented it out uh, to the TV and film industry. And yeah, Halt and Catch Fire was filmed there. It was cool because they would fill the back lot of the parking lot up with a bunch of time period correct cars. So that's how you knew they were filming because there were a bunch of 80s cars parked in the back. All right. Moving on. I do like that. That's a very neat piece of trivia. And, yeah. I mean, they film a lot of stuff in Georgia, as any Marvel yes. fan knows. Yes. Now, here's the film's description according to IMDb. An augmented human and Sarah Connor must stop an advanced liquid Terminator from hunting down a young girl whose fate is critical to the human race. How would you describe this film in one sentence, Chumzilla? This might be a run-on, but Terminator Dark Fate. It's a heartfelt attempt to bring the franchise back to its roots, starring OG actors Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and including writer uh, James Cameron himself. And although well-intended, it fails to capitalize on the nostalgia it had hoped to invoke. I agree with that in certain ways, uh, but not all of them, because I, I actually did like this movie. I think where it fails, I'll touch on in a moment. My one-sentence description, apparently in the future, humans who abuse futuristic steroids or body augments have the same stamina as a roided-out 80s WWE wrestler. <laughs> That's. I'm just going to say, like, are, are you knocking Logan or are you knocking this movie there? I'm not sure which one. Well, Logan, like, purposefully ODs on uh, uh. to get that last gasp in. But I've said this about Logan, too. Is it clear that he's going to OD? Because he kind of survives everything. If they would have given me 15 more minutes of him murdering soldiers in the middle of the woods, I would have gladly accepted that. I just think when she tires out, and here's what didn't work for me about the movie, because that's really our next question. It, it didn't really service the plot in any meaningful ways to me. And in fact, that created the void that needed to be filled by Arnold. Whereas... Mackenzie Davis, who's just totally a badass for the first half of the movie, takes this back seat. She has nothing to do once Arnold shows up. And of course, I love Arnold, and he's probably my favorite part of the movie. It kind of it kind of sucked for her because she really was a highlight of the film to that point. But she has nothing Fair. to do after that because like, oh, she's oh, she's uh, out of energy again. And it happens like three or four times. It's just like, give me a friggin' break. Like, you haven't figured this cycle out yet? I have a, a very complicated theory on why that is the case. I think much like the focus on saving civilians was a big part of Civil War and Batman vs. Superman, 
is a backlash to uh, Man of Steel. I think this was a response to the backlash against both Ray in The Force Awakens and Captain Marvel. They wanted to nerf the strong female character in a way that she wasn't overpowered. They wanted to go out of their way to say, hey, she's not a Mary Sue. She has to have a cool down period because she can't just run, you know, uh, roughshod over the entire movie. So I think they were addressing that trope and trying to say, hey, look, that's not what we're doing to legitimize the character to an extent. And to your point, Mr. Wizard, it does open the door up for some room for Arnold to do his thing. Which is sort of surprising because she's already nerfed in a way because the things I did like about the movie, obviously Arnold and Lyndall Hamilton, and I did like how the antagonist machine could separate himself. But in saying that, he's just another example of how broken the series became with its sat you know like the bad robots because they're just too strong uh it's worse in other movies way worse in, in genesis for example where john connor is basically invincible and he has all the best parts of both he has nanotech and he's human and he's robot and it's kind of ridiculous and you know the tx they were out of ideas so she had liquid metal but she also had a flamethrower and all these other gadgets like they've never made and i think gabriel luna's fine in the movie i think he's pretty on par with Robert Patrick. He's very stoic. He has charm to him. But it's just, it's sort of ridiculous. Like, it, at some point you're like, well, of course they're not going to win. And then they do because you know they have to, but it lo- it loses its luster at a certain point as the more powerful they get. I agree that uh, it was a little derivative uh, in the, the bad Terminator We've already seen those aspects in some of these other movies. But I will say that if you ignore Genesis, you ignore uh, Salvation, and you just if, if you view this as just purely a sequel to T2, I feel like this was a natural progression from the T-1000. It was a little similar, and, and that way I think that was kind of cheap and redundant, but... I thought they did a lot of cool stuff. So if you pretend you hadn't seen Genesis and you hadn't seen Salvation, it would have been cool. If this had just if we lived in a universe where this was the third Terminator movie and you saw the way they handled that new Terminator, it it seemed cool and fresh. But the problem is we'd already seen similar versions of this. And T3, I'm leaving T3 out here, I'm sorry. Between T3 and Genesis, we'd already seen this hybrid Terminator thing, so it wasn't new anymore. And this is a good segue, because I agree with all that. And why do we think it flopped? And I'll start. The, the main central reason, right? We're going to give one reason why it flopped. The way you just described those machines is the series itself. It got played out. I've seen this sentiment echoed online, but the story to Terminator seemed to come to a natural conclusion with Terminator 2. They'd won, but inevitably you know something would happen. We didn't really see it go from there. I liked 3 at the time. Uh, I don't. I still don't think it was necessary. But 3 was, you know, 2004. Yes. And since then, it's been rebooted three times counting this movie. So you get, Genesis, you get Salvation in 2009. They reboot it with Genesis in 2015. Salvation itself was a reboot of Terminator 3. Then Dark Fate erases all three of those. The series needs a serious break. 
it, like, it has to go into hibernation. Yeah. Because unlike these characters who don't seem to remember that a, a robot assassin has come back in time before to kill them, we have we all remember these very well. They're coming too rapidly. And I'm saying this as someone who's in their key demographic. Like, Terminator 2 is one of my favorite movies. It's probably the first rated R movie I ever saw in theaters. And I'm a huge Arnold fan. And even I am I'm just over it. Like, I went to this. I liked it. I said, boy, you know what? I don't think I really needed that. Terminator is a case study in why time travel is a very tricky concept to try to build a film around. Because the killer robots are solid. And I don't think anybody will ever deny that. But when you rope in this time travel angle and this timeline angle, this at this point essential and crucial to the story, it, it just gets really messy. And it I, th- I feel like it kind of hamstrings what you can do with the movies. In, in a way similar to Star Wars, uh, which, to digress here, is effectively the Skywalker family drama. You've pigeonholed yourself there. You kind of got to focus on those key characters. The further you get away from it, the more convoluted and messy it gets. In the case of the Terminator, if you don't keep it solely focused on the key characters and their their saga, if you try to go outside of it, it just gets uh, you know unruly. You just can't keep it reined in. And that's exactly to your point, Mr. Wizard. That's what they tried to do with this movie. It erased some of the history. To their credit, they understood the problem. They tried to rein it in with this movie. This movie tried to not not just reboot, but recenter things back to the core from those two first films, which are clearly the most successful, at least well-regarded. They had a plan. They followed it well, but they were paying for the sins that came before them. Now that said... I have some serious questions. And these actually are mostly okay. serious questions. But Terminator has always been a series about big ideas. And I don't think any of the movies that came out are an exception to that. I do think they all had good ideas buried within them. Some were just executed better than others, right? Terminator offers valid criticisms about our society's over-reliance on technology. And sort of the perilous road that could be taking us down. I'll step here and say that I believe that in the modern era, at least in the 80s to 90s to early aughts era, the two biggest cautionary tales of the impact technology has on society are clearly the Terminator and the Matrix. Because literally, you cannot deny how much of an impact these movies have had on modern culture and our lives because we refer to them consciously and unconsciously constantly. The Matrix and the Terminator. Skynet, you know, and the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Those are euphemisms for the systems that we use today. But anyway, continue. Sorry. And they're both they're both way ahead of their time. With those interesting concepts, I'm curious what you would keep from each film and also what you would get rid of. Like it just didn't work, I'd get rid of it. So we'll go movie by movie. I'll start. We'll start with the original Terminator, which came out in 1984. The conceit in general Obviously, it was lasting, so that's something you would keep. But I would say humans versus the machine. I think there was a, always a greater sense of peril and danger when it was humans versus this machine that couldn't be stopped. So when you started, you know, when Arnold became the good guy, as much as I love that, you have less connection to him. Well, not me, because I cry every time I watch Terminator 2. 
but especially in the movies going forward you have a very small connection to him like you're not that word you've seen him die already he's a machine he's gonna come back humans stay dead so what i would lose about terminator nothing what about you i i think the only thing i dislike about terminator is that it uh it goes more of the slow burn angle i'm because I'm, honestly story-wise i think terminator's flawless I think it does a great job of world building and I love all of it. It's perfect. I do think that the slow burn thriller angle of the movie takes away from what could have been a much more interesting, faster paced action movie. Now, granted, some that, that that would take away from some of the charm, but for me that could have been a much more straightforward movie. Okay. What would you keep from Terminator? Just the conceit in general? Oh, what I love about that is the way they describe the Terminator. It's such a clear and concise exercise in world building that you've got this machine from the future that's coming to kill you. And honestly, one of my favorite parts of that movie are the flash forwards. That's some of the best visuals we've seen in an early 80s action movie or sci-fi movie. I'll get to it later. That's the movie I wanted to see. I wanted to see more of that future stuff because that was that was like something I hadn't seen before. Yeah. That was they, awesome. They had a chance to do it and they totally fumbled it. So Terminator 2, I keep Arnold's transition to the role of protector. I know he just sort of knocked it, but... Wait, wait you can't waffle on that because I was going to call you out. Like, what do you mean? That's yeah. the best part of that movie. That's the part I want to keep. That was a twist. No, I'm going to keep it, yeah. No. Uh... Because Arnold, uh, unfortunately, he was alone in doing this. It was the only real reason this series was interesting beyond Terminator 2. So the fact that he was willing to keep coming back, he understood that, I mean, he was made to play this role. I did like him better as the bad guy. I think that's the one thing that Terminator has better than Terminator 2. He's a great bad guy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because I do like the human versus machines. I mentioned that in Terminator, but... His transition, he's on the AFI's 100 Greatest Heroes and Villains on both lists for the same character. And that's no small feat. What would I would lose about Terminator 2? Again, nothing. Maybe Edward Furlong. <laughs> I, I knew that's what you are going to say. That hurts, man. That hurts. I, I'll agree with you. I think that the turn of Arnold as the hero was great. And I, I honestly think that you can't deny... T2 had some of the best action that we've ever seen. I think I mean, it's some of that still stuff was... the best. I would put it in my top five action movies of all time. And I know there's been crazier things done, but a lot of it was practical. Aside from the T1000, they did some crazy shit in that movie. It is infinitely rewatchable. And you don't ever look at that and go, boy, that was made in 1991. No, it holds up very well. That stuff looks great. And I will even go as far to say that I think the tone that it used had some influence on the MCU. Because that movie had the same level of one-liners and cheese and a balance between serious action and humor. That that, that wasn't the norm at that point. I mean, Arnold had one-liners. Action heroes had one-liners, but that movie elevated that cheeky genre to something that was was bigger than just 
uh, a Rambo movie or Commando, you know, a raw deal. Yeah. Like that was that was something different. And yeah, I think I think people have noticed because again, it was wildly successful. But yeah, again, the effects stand the test of time because that movie was just great. But I think the one thing that I didn't like about that movie is that I think at the end, the over bloated emotional narrative of it, like it, it tried to have too much heart. That's the only thing that I'd knock it on. Like I would like the movies to be a little colder. That one got too cute. It went just slightly too far to the heartfelt side of things. I know you liked Arnold's death, but I thought that was a little much for considering he was a giant murder robot. One of the brilliant things about Cameron's script for Terminator 2 is how it takes a character that you know to be a soulless machine built for death and humanizes him throughout the film. How it's actively adapting to the person it's protecting. Mm -hmm. And it's taking on this surrogate figure as the boy's father because he doesn't have a father. It's really, really well done. Every time Arnold is terminated himself in one of these movies, it's t- it's tough for me, <laughs> but especially tough in T two. And, and hey, that's a great scene, and they really go for it. I'm just saying, I would have been because I don't share your love for Arnold in the same way. I would have been just as happy if he had beat the T one thousand like in battle. And sacrifice himself somehow. I didn't need the emotional send off. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I get the arc, but I didn't need it to be so personal. To me, that wasn't overly satisfying. So Terminator Three, and I acknowledge I like this before. Uh, I do know it has a lot of faults. I watched it the other night, uh, and it holds up pretty well. 2004 film, CG, CGI heavy 2004 film. I think. The idea that was probably the most interesting was the TX coming back through time with a kill list. And it had two central kills that, if it could get, great. But if not, it's going to kill all these other people who would be important to the resistance. Because I know one person is important, can be vitally important, but the heart of the resistance is, is much more crucial to their overall success. So in going around killing all these different people, I was like, oh, that makes way more sense. Because as you see in Dark Fate, right, when they come upon Arnold, he's like, well, you know, I did what I had to do, and then I just was around, and my purpose was over. It's like, these are machines. They're infinitely smart. Every possible scenario is played out within their little algorithm, and they never once sent the machine back to take care of more than one person. Because... Let's face it, if John Connor dies, somebody else is going to step up and take his place. They're not going to be like, oh, shit. Well, we tried. John Connor's dead. So I really liked the kill list. What I would get rid of, this is a a sequel to T2, but it doesn't feel anything like T2. The tone is much lighter. That can be illustrated in a number of ways such as Arnold's entrance where he takes out the glasses and these stupid uh, sparkly star glasses or when they run over the bouncy house and it makes like a goofy sound and by the way that's the best scene in the movie and all of a sudden you're like why the hell is there like a goofy clown noise 
when they run into this house in the middle of this gritty chase scene. That's called subverting expectations, Mr. Wizard. Well, I didn't like it. So what about you, T3? I saw this movie in theaters with a good friend of ours, Goldie. And I enjoyed some of the action scenes. I will say that the car chase scene in this movie on the highway with the crane rivals that of T2. And I guess that's the one thing I would keep from this movie is I think that was a great action set piece. But I found uh, the TX and the ability to control other machines just to be kind of over the top in a bad way. So I'd keep that one cool scene and keep that crane and drop pretty much everything else. <laughs> like that was about it. The crane scene's phenomenal. It's a great chase scene. And that was a year of great highway slash chase scenes. Cause that's the matrix reloaded. And the best scene oh, of yes. that movie is the highway, the stretch yeah. of highway they built for this incredible scene. Yeah, the crane scene is awesome, and Arnold actually had to fund the last bit of that because they ran out of money. Money, yes. Uh, so Terminator Salvation now. Uh, not a lot to like here for me. Uh, yeah, this movie's awful. I, I like nothing about this movie. Here's the only thing I can say. That when the machine comes out not understanding that it's a machine, I thought that was a very potent illustration of the dangers of meddling with science and how far the limits are i'll give you that there were some big ideas in this movie yeah everything else about the movie is terrible it's awful they had a chance to do the future war and yet they didn't and it suffers so badly for it and yeah so that's my probably biggest knock on this movie is that again when i saw terminator i wanted to see more of that future war this was our shot as you indicated earlier this was it and it was underwhelming, to say the least. Also, the token, like, hey, look, Arnold's here. And it was just CGI Arnold. It's like, yeah. now go go to hell. You're just too late now. <laughs> that was not good. That was bad. Right. That, was just, that was literally an abomination. Yeah. We got two more, just Terminator Genesis. For me, you keep the integrated social network uh, called Genesis. That is sort of the entry point into the destruction of humankind. Why is that so relevant? Well, it's happening right now. So, right, like how do people sow Discord? Through online interaction, bots, etc. and so on. I thought that was a really good idea. Close second for me would be recreating the opening of Terminator, but kind of spinning it on its head. I liked that. I actually liked the first half of the movie before it totally fell apart. And lose for me, this movie was a pandering mess. It wanted to be like, hey, see, Terminator doesn't have to be R and serious. Like, we can be like Marvel 2. Very jokey-jokey. Lots of winks. Ugh, the the bad boys scene after they get arrested with the music from cops. It's disastrous. What they did to... You take... Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor is perfect. Um, Amelia Clark as Linda Hamilton is like somebody cosplaying as Linda Hamilton. She was so bad at embodying the spirit of Sarah Connor. It was off-putting. And Jai Courtney was no better. And as I mentioned earlier, 
the breaking of the plausibility with John Connor, who's essentially a god. Uh, they did more shit to that guy over the course of that movie, and he just kept coming back and like with literally no signs of damage because he had the stupid nanotech. It's just too much. Ugh, the movie's a disaster, but it's better than Salvation. Is it? Is I, it? I think it is because it has Arnold. That's really the only reason. Uh, yeah, you know, I give them credit in that movie because they really tried hard to cash in on the nostalgia when they sort of refilmed the the opening scenes of the original Terminator. What they didn't do is insert enough Bill Paxton. So that was a huge, huge letdown. And yeah, uh, yeah, Game of Thrones, she is no Linda Hamilton. Like yeah, that, not even it close. didn't work. No, granted, Michael Bean, not the most dynamic guy, but Jai Cordy really didn't fill those shoes either. And so, you know, Captain Boomerang did not bring the heat in this role. And yeah, the whole nanotech angle, it just got a little, a little just insane because it got away from the kind of hard sci-fi they were used to. There used to be rules and things were a little more clear. Granted, the T-1000 bent things a bit. And and definitely there was some the TX built on that, but yeah, this was like over the top. But they were still fallible. Like even the TX, right when they crash into the in the semi, after she jumps on the hood of the the hearse, it breaks her primary weapon. Yeah, you know, and like there's they, damage. They had they had they had weaknesses. There were weaknesses. Yeah. So I mean, the only thing I keep out of this movie would be, uh, uh yeah, I don't nothing nothing you can just drop the whole thing okay well that's fair and i'll just point out spoiler like i said i would drop all this movie that's the same opinion arnold had in dark fate because he walks right up to uh poor edward furlong and blasts away those last couple movies boom done yeah and then just walks off into the ocean (laughs) yeah because like, that's that's I felt the same way. Like I had the same vibe there as Arnold. Like never mind, we're resetting the timeline. Blam. Yeah. By the way, moving Arnold, on. Uh, Arnold was seventy-one when they made Dark Fate. I think he was thirty-seven or thirty-six when they made Terminator. He looked really good in Dark Fate. He looked to be in great shape. Well, and just to be clear, it was not. Arnold that filmed that scene. Oh no, that was not him. But there, but there is Arnold later in the movie, and he looks, he look, does look good. Yeah. The, the the real Arnold does look good. Yeah. So Dark Fate, uh, I think I would just keep like if we could in a pie in the sky scenario get rid of all the other sequels. Uh, this is the sequel T two was meant to have in a way, and that's all credit to Linda Hamilton. She's the heartbeat of the series. It's her hero's journey. And it was good to have her back. I think it was kind of a mistake thinking she wasn't important to it because she really was. And it's immediately noticeable. Yeah. I, I think that's something those other movies miss is her mama bear energy. Like she is trying to protect her son. She's trying to protect humanity. There's an angle to that that has a lot of heart. And some of those other movies kind of lack that. Yeah. And uh, what I would lose is that <clears throat> what I found to be pretty idiotic subplot of the enhanced human having to refuel. I think, and I, I'll say it again, it's just a better film 
if she's the main protagonist, Hamilton is in sort of the service role that Arnold's in, and they just go it alone. I love you, Arnold, but the movie didn't need him. It didn't. And relegating Mackenzie Davis to the sidelines, it wasn't really fair to her. She she brings a, a physicality here that was impressive. She was tough. Yeah. I hate when you watch an action movie and you can tell the person is not pulling off the stunts in a way that looks believable. It's one of my Wait, pet Travolta? Uh, he'd be one. He's an example. Uh, Love you, John. Sorry, brother. You know, and she she's she brings it. She's part of Team Bringing It, for sure. She is. Yeah. I'll agree with you there. I, I think that uh, there was definitely a, a girl power message in this movie. And I think that they nerfed her throughout the movie to give Arnold his moment. But I, I'll, I'll agree. I think they should have swapped that. I think this if this movie had more been more about Arnold facilitating and ultimately or sacrificing himself and then having you know the female protagonist, the hybrid, take over and be the the final battle with the uh, the terminator i think that might have been a more interesting angle because that really would have pushed it to a level where you could say like hey this is going somewhere mm-hmm. like there's something to build on but in the end this movie was just a send off to arnold yep. in a sense yeah, in a lot of ways yeah. so so yeah that, that's the one thing i would probably leave behind in this movie is that it did overindulge itself on the nostalgia and to your point i'd like to focus on what they built on because linda hamilton was great but like her story was basically told when john connor was dead her and arnold's story was basically told when he offed uh, her son and then they got into a very intimate conflict with each other at that point the narrative went beyond them it was more about the future and the new characters we were introduced to. And I think you're extremely right there, Mr. Wizard, that they still didn't move on in the story and they kept it very central to Arnold Too central, and to Linda yeah. to the end. Yeah. There, there was a second set of characters there that could have taken over and I'll get overly obnoxious here. I'll draw parallels to the star Wars universe and say that again, this was kind of like a handoff between the old guard and the new guard, and they sort of fumbled the ball a bit, much mm-hmm. like much like uh, the Last Jedi did. Because ultimately, the least interesting person in this movie is the girl they're protecting. Yes, yeah, that, I, I, I'm, she had nothing to do with the story except she's important in the future. Don't worry about it. Yeah, she was not interesting at all. Now, a lot of cool things happened around her. And everything obviously directly involves her, but she just had nothing to do. And when they show her and all her glory in the future, it's kind of like, well, she's five foot two, so. And I'm sorry. Did, did she did she look, did she look younger in the future than she did in the present? Because I I I was confused. She I saw scenes young. in this movie. I thought it was a flashback. I'm like, is she a child? Because she looks younger than the present. I, I, I'm not. I, I'm serious. I was in the theater and I had to question what I was watching. I'm like, wait a minute, did I miss a huge visual key here? Because she looks like a teenager. Everybody was given more interesting wrinkles 
to their character and the way their character had developed, especially like you, what you come to find out about uh, Mackenzie Davis's character and what you find out about Arnold in his time just sort of living amongst us, you know? Arnold has one of the most interesting arcs in this movie. Yeah. It's very subtle, but holy crap, that was – that. To me, I'll give uh, the director some credit because that was actually interesting. And, and it wasn't crucial. It wasn't a big deal. But his family life, I found that like to be very interesting. Oh, I and, did too, yeah. Like he – in learning – sort of coming to understand what he'd taken away from Sarah, I thought was pretty fascinating. It was a huge step on T2. Yeah. Like he, he clearly learned to coexist with humans. And, and I'll, I'll just be honest here. I thought that was also a huge nod to Arnold's second family. It, it kind of seemed a little bit like that. So if I could, if I could give you an, an, like an analogy of what, into what Natalia Reyes' character really is in this movie. She's the flag and capture the flag. They're protecting the flag. Gabriel Luna wants to get the flag. Everybody else who's actively involved in the game and doing all the things that matter and are, are really a part of it, they get all the action and the cool stuff. She just sits there. She's just the asset. Yeah. Yep. All right, so before we rank the Terminator films, I'm going to throw in best action scene of the movie because I think there's a couple really awesome ones and a couple not-so-awesome ones. I, I really hated when the movie got way too over-reliant on the CGI. My favorite action scene in the movie is the raid at the uh, Border Patrol holding station where, uh, I forget, he's like the Rev 9 or something, I forget what he's called, because it's not Skynet anymore, it's like Marauder or something, (laughs) something silly. Uh, He's just like full-on murdering all these people in this prison to get to the girl, and at one point they like, are jumping on top of him and his liquid metal is just shooting spikes like impaling people it was it was badass that was my favorite action scene in the movie i actually think there's three really good ones and i know i said mackenzie davis like loses out but in the in the final fight when she's whipping around the chain like she's right back into it so she does get kind of sat there with nothing to do for a while but when push comes to shove and they need her to kick ass, she kicks ass. What did you think about the underwater Hummer dam scene? That's the scene I didn't like as much because it, that was with the planes. And I was like, oh, here we go. It was like, okay. It just got a little ridiculous for me. I, I really like the opening scene in the, in the factory in Mexico. Because this movie pretty much goes one to a hundred like right off the bat. And it chills yeah. out for a little bit. But it is it is set piece heavy. I, I will say this. Apparently James Cameron had had that underwater Hummer dam thing in his head for like a million years and really wanted to use it. And I thought that was one, by far one of the worst scenes because it just didn't make a lot of sense. It was, and it was overly complicated. It yeah. was cloudy. You weren't sure what happened to Arnold as he's fighting underwater with this guy. Like... It was sort of like, up oh, is he dead? Is he not dead? What the hell is happening? Yeah. I, yeah. I wasn't into it. I think that was supposed to be more impressive than it was. I think 
you know, especially if you look at where they put that in the movie, that was supposed to be a big, a big home run. And it wasn't, it was just like, what the hell am I watching? So I'll go back and cite your earlier comment, the opening scene on the highway. I enjoyed that because you know what? I'm a sucker for nostalgia. That felt like T2. It did. It felt, it, it felt like T2, but it wasn't, uh, completely derivative of the, that movie. It was a, a good twist on that same visual look and feel. I really enjoyed that. I had much bigger expectations for this movie after I saw that. And then the rest of it didn't deliver. That was, that was pretty good. Not going to lie. It, uh, it was the marauding force and the much more powerful vehicle chasing, chasing them down. And I just thought that, uh, sort of what they gave Mackenzie Davis, like her throwing the rebar through him, and yeah. it, it was really cool. It felt familiar, but it also felt new. Like I felt like, I, oh, I'm watching a James Cameron Terminator movie, but this is something different. Like it, he nailed that feeling there for that five ten minutes. And the scene is it established stakes right away. Yeah. You know, people of note, not really of note, but of note in the central character's life, are dead immediately. Yes. Like, things yeah. get very real for her very quickly. So it did yeah. a nice no, job of that. It was a great tone setter. Okay, so how would we rank the Terminator films? And when we get to wherever we place Dark Fate in our respective lists, we'll recommend how many beers we drink, or thumbs up, thumb down as well. Uh, I can go first Judgment Day. It's, it is it is the masterpiece. Terminator, also a masterpiece, but Judgment Day built on the foundation it set. I would tie, so that's a little bit of cheat, Rise of the Machines and Dark Fate. Dark Fate's a better movie than Rise of the Machines, and it yeah. feels more like a Cameron movie. But Rise of the Machines has a lot of nostalgia for me. This is pre-Governator. I thought it was the last time we'd see Arnold really in a movie like this, maybe ever. I didn't know he'd be coming back and gracing us again, you know, with... Nothing's been the same, really, since then. Let's just be fair. So those are a tie, but I I do acknowledge that Dark Fate's probably the better movie. Uh, And I would give it a thumbs up. It's a mild thumbs up. I think it's a B, B minus of a movie. I'll have to see it again. I think you're 100% right. I think it suffers because of the previous films. Yeah. And I think it's... If it had come out when Rise of the Machines came out, I think you talk about this movie a lot differently, and I think it makes a lot more money. Because Rise yes. of the Machines made a lot of money. and But people seemingly don't like that at all anymore. But it was well-reviewed as well, so... You are 100% correct, in my opinion, if this movie... Dark Fate had come out in the same environment as T3, it would have made at least as much money as T3. And I would argue that it certainly would have made more because it is a better movie. And it is a better extension of the Cameron vision. It's a better so, Terminator anyway, movie. Uh, yeah, hands down. And it does more with the, the central characters that we love from T2. It builds on Arnold and Sarah Connor, and so the T-800 and Sarah Connor story in organic and meaningful ways, and it reestablishes their relationship in a different way. It's the same, same machine, 
like same appearance, but a different machine executing a different mission. And yet she sees him as the same thing, right? This is the guy that helped save her kid. And in, and in the end, he murders her kid. So I thought they did an incredible job of that. Uh, it's a two-beer film for me. I think you can enjoy it. I think you'll nitpick it like we have. I don't think there's any way around that, but two beers. Yeah. Oh, and then Genesis, and then uh, Shit Sandwich Salvation. <laughs> if Genesis is a shit pie, <laughs> I don't eat pie at least, but I do eat okay. sandwiches, and Salvation is a shit sandwich. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you for the most part, but I'm going to swap the top two, because much like Alien versus Aliens, I'm an alien guy. I, I'm going to forego the upping of the stakes in T2 and being a much better overall movie than the Terminator. I think you can't deny the absolutely groundbreaking just impact socially that that first Terminator movie had. And I saw it first. And so I'm going to be a crotchety old wannabe Gen Xer here and say again, I like the Terminator because I think it's significant. Um, but I'll concede that T2 is the better action movie and more entertaining because, again, the one thing I don't like about Terminator is the slow burn. It just takes a lot of time to get someplace when it's pretty much a straightforward action slash kind of slasher movie, but whatever. But So I'll give Terminator one beer, T2 two beers because... Well, it's a popcorn to, movie. You don't have to do beers for those, just for this one. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to do beers for all of them. All right. And, th- and then I'll drop down to, uh, I'm going to give Dark Fate three beers because it is satisfying, and I, I see it as the spiritual successor to T2, but there's just parts of it that don't land, and then you're going to come to what I'd hoped to be a better movie, but again, kind of redundant and uh uh, just not that interesting poor genesis that's gonna be a five beer movie (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna be tipsy walking out of that one and then when you get six is a healthy maybe seven or eight what you know if you're watching at home don't limit yourself but if you're gonna have to watch uh salvation you know just call an uber or make make sure you have somebody looking after your well-being because what depresses me about that movie so much and i'm sorry christian bale but after those few scenes in terminator showing the future war and you get hints of it in t2 and you and you get glimpses of it if you saw the i think it was universal studios that had the thing like the event and that videos on youtube i mean there's there was canon, there was material about the future war and what it looks like. And the video games, the video games, the the, the, the first-person shooter yeah, uh, yeah. arcade style video games. Yeah. Like, I wanted a movie in that world where you have a bunch of naked T-800s running around. And, you know, Salvation was our chance to see that. Yeah, Hunter Killers, the naked Terminators running around. Yeah. The whole deal. To, to me that I mean that was what I wanted to see and yeah we never that we didn't get that that movie was really really bad like super bad like uh Christian Bale screaming at production people bad that tarnished his reputation because yeah. I'm convinced it's because he knew he knew he was on a shit movie 
<laughs> and decided to take it out on, on the underlings. So yeah, that that's a six, seven, eight. Nine, you know, make sure ten. you have a ride home. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you got a ride home movie. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, right. sorry. Uh, moving on. We'll take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna talk about a couple interesting things about this movie, Dark Fate, and then we're just going to do a general quiz about the Terminator franchise. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com, and we are doing Terminator Dark Fate. Before we dive into our Terminator quiz, which is about all things Terminator, not just this movie, I did want to touch on some interesting things that cropped up uh, in the wake of this film's massively disappointing run. Well, not all of them relate directly to the disappointing run. Here's something I personally found interesting. Director Tim Miller was second unit director on Thor The Dark World, which was directed by Alan Taylor, who directed previous Terminator installment, Genesis. I'll add uh, that Miller also directed the title sequence for The Dark World. Oh, well, there you go. So, interesting, interesting. Uh, Producer David Ellison approached James Cameron with the idea of a new installment, that would serve as a direct sequel to T2 and ignore all the past films. Uh, after admitting to Cameron that Genesis fell far short of expectations, well, how far did this one fall? Uh, James Cameron said he was quite honest with me about Genesis falling short of the mark and didn't really do what it had uh, wanted it to do. So he said, let's start with a blank slate and take it back to T2. Uh, and that idea was intriguing. So after a lot of thinking, Cameron had several ideas to begin within the story's premise, including a Terminator who has no mission and no purpose that blended into human society and has learned a lot over two decades. A machine that ages over time on the exterior but performs same functions designed and a lead female action hero, Sarah at the age of 60, uh, that has never been shown before on screen. So his original ideas for the movie really are what end up undercutting the stories of the other people in the movie. But I do think they're the best parts of the movie, which is seeing Sarah and the T-800 again in different circumstances than we last found them. You know, you make a very excellent point there, Mr. Wizard, because the emotional weight that you feel with the modern characters and their family and all that is dwarfed by that between Linda and Arnold. Yep. Because we have no history with those other characters, and there's so much history to them. Yeah, and and the worst part is it's implied. Yeah, not a lot of it. I mean, yeah, there's some direct like she yells at him, "You killed my son," blah blah. blah. But there's way more weight to it because we don't need to see it on the screen. We remember it from the other movies. Yeah. It's in our heads anyway. Yep. Moving on. When we touched on the problems with this movie and how poorly it did. It's in our heads, but that's because yes. we have such a special place in our hearts for T1 and T2. And I, I think this, this franchise has been passed by. Like, it's, a, it's rated R. It's uh, a long history. Yeah, 10-year-old kids are not like, oh, well, I just watched Terminator. That's not, like, that's not being shown all the Wait. time like it was when we were kids. My kids have seen it. Well, your kids are learning the right way. Yeah, they're damaged, you know. <laughs> uh, 
All right, so in a similar move to that of Simon Kinberg after Dark Phoenix's faceplant at the box office, Tim Miller spoke with KCRW about the film's struggles. This is something you should listen to. Uh, I think it's always pretty insightful when filmmakers acknowledge something did not go as planned and they're reflective about it. And I don't really think he laid the blame at anybody's feet. Some notable things. When he was asked if he'd ever work with Cameron again, he said no, but it has nothing to do with whatever trauma I have from the experience. It's more that I just don't want to be in a situation again where I don't have the control to do what I think is right. That is also probably a window into why he walked away from Deadpool 2, because there was apparently intense disagreements between the two about certain portions of the script, as well as the final edit of the movie. To quote Jim Cameron, the blood is still being scraped off the walls. (laughs) Now, to Tim Miller's credit, he, he says, you know, it wasn't that bad, but we're both strong-willed guys and we both had our ideas for what we wanted. Disagreements happen. I'll just say this. Tim Miller is now 0 for 2 versus James Cameron and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. I'm not going to pick a winner here, but that's not a good track record. It's tough because obviously I think he's a very talented director, but if is he? if you're going to war with Jim Cameron about creative decisions, I don't think you're ever going to come out on top. Jim Cameron has earned his stripes. I think there's not anything he could say or recommend for a movie that everybody else would be in line with. That's a that's yeah. a tough that's a tough beat. It's Jimmy Cameron. I'll be slightly ignorant here. What is Tim Miller's signature moment? I'll just say this: uh, Deadpool was his debut, right? Yes, he'd done, like, other animated directing. Yeah, I'm just saying, how much, how much of Deadpool was Ryan Reynolds, and how much was Tim Miller? Well, do, do we know? Do we know? I think his eye for action is clear. Like, he knows how to cut okay. a set piece. Yeah, yeah. Now, script-wise, that's a good question. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, because if you watch Deadpool 2, yeah, it's a mess in certain points, but it's still very funny. So I don't think it suffered all that much. I think Deadpool 2 is a very good Deadpool movie because Deadpool is ridiculous. So that's hard to judge because yeah. that is a totally that's like that's like saying that's like Howard the Duck. <laughs> it it, 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 it it's, its its own thing. It's like Primus. Yeah. It's its own genre. Like so I, I think that's part of the problem. It's like, oh Deadpool made a gazillion dollars. Oh, it's because of it's because of the director. Uh no, it's because it's a absolutely insane character that Ryan Reynolds was driving and maybe anyone that was competent could have made that happen. Not uh, to mention he's the most, he was I'm just probably, speculating. I think obviously Hollywood executives were probably a little blind to this, but if you went to a comic con and didn't understand there was a thirst for Deadpool, then you're an idiot. And I'll draw the parallel to the Punisher. Like which one of you dorks try to say he's not a popular character? I think it was you. Wow. That dude, that dude yeah. sells a ton of merch. There's it's, a it's thirst for that. The People symbol. want that movie. It's the symbol. It's not the character. Whereas Deadpool, you go to a Comic-Con, everybody and their mother is dressed as Deadpool <sighs> or Harley Quinn. Okay. Well, yeah. nah, fair enough. But uh, so that, there, there's interest there. But last moving on. Very interesting thing I found. So they had a writer's room 
which apparently included David Goyer, and they had already made plans for a script for a second and third movie. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Uh, and Jim Cameron, part of the battles, he felt like he had to write specific scenes for the movie, especially for Sarah and the T-800, because of his connection to the characters. And I think that makes sense. Yeah. Now, are you ready? Because you're going to be tested. Bring it on. Uh, this is our Asta La Vista Terminator franchise, Cyberdyne Systems Quiz. Because I really do think this is the end for the foreseeable future for Terminator. I don't have any proof of that. But That's I would, a good bet. But I think it's going to be taking a hiatus. Number one, it's fairly common knowledge, by this point at least I think it should be, that O.J. Simpson was considered for the role of the Terminator in the original. Jim Cameron thought he was too likable because of Naked Gun. Uh, and if he was the Terminator, Arnold would have then been Kyle Reese. That said, here's another casting what if. They offered this musician three, uh, $350,000 for the role of Reese. Was it A, Sting, B, David Bowie, C, Dwight Yoakam, or D, Billy Idol? I think I know this. Um... I'm going to say it's Billy Idol. No, but I do have something about Billy Idol in a moment. It was Sting. Now oh, I, I've I, that, put, that, was, uh, that would have been my second guess. I knew it was a white guy with a, with a blonde with blonde hair. I put uh, Dwight Yoakam in there because did you catch the song playing when Rev 9 crashes through the shed at the barbecue? Guitars and Cadillacs. This is the same song that's playing when Arnold beats the shit out of all the bikers at the bar in T2. Nice. And Dwight Yoakam is also excellent in Sling Blade. So, before... He's a good actor. Uh, and Sling Blade is a good movie. Guys, don't 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 sleep on Billy Bob Thornton. Check out Sling Blade. Yeah. Before we get to number two, here's some other insane casting what-ifs for the Terminator franchise as a whole. So, I have a video from IMDb. It's called Casting Calls. And they kind of go through a lot of these. But I'll just mention some interesting ones. So for the T-800, Chevy Chase, Mel Gibson, Sly Stallone. Of course, he ended up being the T-800 in uh, Last Action Hero, even if it was just an image. Michael Douglas, Kevin Klein, very weird choices. Kyle Reese, Mickey Rourke, makes sense. Bruce Willis also makes sense. Uh, and by the way, Michael Bean almost blew his audition for Kyle Reese because he auditioned with a southern accent the first time. <laughs> Like, just, like, just on a whim? Yeah, just like, I guess he didn't read the room. Uh, Sarah Connor was written for Bridget Fonda, but they also considered Tatum O'Neill, Jodie okay. Foster, Sharon Stone, yeah. Carrie Fisher. There's a whole bunch yeah. more, so pretty nuts. Wow. It came down to Linda Hamilton and Jennifer Jason Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee was going to play Ginger, her roommate, and she had to back out. Here's one of my favorite non-facts from this movie. Mr. Wizard, do you know what Linda Hamilton's first movie was, her first film credit? The first movie I remember her in is Children of the Corn. So no, probably not. Before that, she was in Tag, the assassination game, directed by Nick Castle. And that's significant because Nick Castle is also the person who played Michael Myers in John Carpenter's 
Halloween. The shape. Right? Yeah. So, that being said, Nick Castle has gone on to have quite the illustrious career as a director. (laughs) His directing credits include films such as, one of my favorites, The Last Starfighter, Dennis the Menace, and Major Pain. That's pretty solid work. Who knew the shape was so active? And I'll add that he is also credited as playing the beach ball alien in Dark Star. He's had quite a career. Yeah. Just to bring that full circle, because that's a John Carpenter flick as well. But it also involved Dave O'Bannon, who went on to write what became Alien. Wow. Small world. Small world. Now, here's your Billy Idol. He was considered for the role of the T-1000. And then he got in a motorcycle accident, had to back out. So, there you go. Charlie Corsmo, pod favorite Charlie Corsmo, was offered the role of John Connor, but he'd already committed to What About Bob? Wow. Yeah. T3. So, Edward Furlong was supposed to come back didn't happen i think he was going through some things but i'm not going to over speculate on that so they looked at chris klein Striker from american pie also charlie nash from the worst video game movie of all time street fighter the legend of chun li <laughs> guy walks through raindrops john krasinski uh david walton who uh, you might know who he is. i think he was on new girl but it, was, it came down to Nick Stahl and Shane West. Nick Stahl auditioned three times. He won the role. TX. This is, this is beyond belief. Here's who was considered. Vin Diesel. I think he would have done a good job. Shaq. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been bad. Gwyneth Paltrow. Fomp Janssen. I think, Fomp, I think Fompke would have killed it. And here's... <laughs> WWE wrestler China. <laughs> Deep Pack does not approve. Wait, did I get that right? Is that the right ref- reference there? Deep Pack? Is X- that was X Pac. X Pac, whatever. This goes on through the other films as well. Just some other notable ones. Tom Hardy for John Connor and Genesis couldn't do it. So we got Jason Clark. And Josh not Brolin J- as Marcus Jai- Wright. Not Jack Cordy. No, Jay Courtney's calories. Wait, but is that not the same guy as Tom Hardy? Are they? No, they're. Are different. they different people? <laughs> yeah, they're different. I mean, Tom Hardy's got sexier lips, but one's Captain Boomerang, one's Venom. <laughs> and ba- and Bane. We Bane. we ignore that. That movie never happens. <laughs> but are we sure they're not the same guy? They're kind of like big and obnoxious and. Well, one's English. I think Jai Courtney's South African, but I could he's, be wrong. He's, he's Australian. Okay. I think. Or, or is that just me being racist because he's Captain Boomerang? I don't even know. It could be. Uh, Josh Brolin is Marcus Wright in Salvation instead of Sam Worthington when he denied it. And then there, there were some major uh, actresses considered for Sarah Connor in Genesis. Brie Larson, she also would have stunk because... I don't, I'm just not impressed by Reed Larson. Emily Blunt probably would have killed it. Margot Robbie probably would have killed it. Can we talk about, in a second, about 
the uh, what what was the, uh, the the female lead's name that's not Linda Hamilton in <clears throat> Dark Fate? What's her name? Mackenzie Davis. Mackenzie Davis. Or, or are you uh, talking about the one they're protecting? No, Mackenzie Davis. You mentioned her earlier. Her physicality. I will admit that was probably one of the most impressive things in this movie because she was very good in the action scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I enjoyed Captain Marvel, but I think Brie Larson's performance lacked some of that. A lot I think of that natural. Yeah. yeah, I think, and again, it could be a stature thing. I don't know how tall Brie Larson is. I don't know. But what we saw in <clears throat> Dark Fate, I was like, Mackenzie Davis, wow, that she seemed tough. She held her own on screen with what we know are larger people, and it was seemed believable. I think that was something that was somewhat lacking in Captain Marvel. And, and these movies have a lot of par- parallels because this movie had a hardcore girl power theme. And what I find interesting is this movie does not get the same vitriol online as Captain Marvel did. Well, it's because nobody saw it. <laughs> Fair enough. But I'm just saying, Mackenzie Davis, maybe she should have been Captain Marvel. I don't know. Mackenzie Davis they're, with the sledgehammer is magnifique. And they're both Canadian, so does it matter? I don't think yeah. it did. No. We could have swapped them. I'm just saying. All right. Second question of our quiz true or false? The idea for Terminator apparently came from a fever dream Cameron suffered while promoting Piranha 2 The Spawning in Rome. He did direct Piranha 2. That's a fact. He did, yes. Uh, he doesn't like he, do, he doesn't like to admit it. I'm just going to say yes because I'd like to believe that's true. It is true. Apparently he dreamed of a metal figure emerging from a fire. Now, in saying that, he was later sued by Harlan Ellison for stealing the idea from an episode of The Outer Limits titled Soldier, which itself was, <laughs> which itself was an adaptation of the 1957 short story soldier from tomorrow they settled yeah, yeah. out of court <laughs> yeah yeah there, there there are two pieces of source material that yeah yeah <clears throat> uh to your point mr wizard it was settled out of court yeah moving on uh james cameron not a fan of ellison referred to him as a parasite who can kiss my ass yeah all right so you're one for two number three over under how much did Jim Cameron sell the script for the Terminator for? Now we'll go in order. And if you get one wrong, then it's over. So we'll, we'll start at 10,000 over under. Over. Wrong. Oh, I thought it was 20. I was going to stop at 20. He sold the script for the Terminator for a dollar. As legend goes, uh, his, oh. his agent hated the movie. So Cameron, who was living in his car at the time, fired his agent, and he was insistent he direct the movie. So even though Piranha 2, as we mentioned, first movie he'd ever done, he said he'd sell the script as long as he got to be the director. So they, he found a taker. He was, he was uh, allowed to do it. Of course, that meant the rights for Terminator were not his until they reverted back to him in 2009, which is how we got, you know, what we got. So, yeah, yeah. sold it for a dollar. So I, I just want to understand at what, what point in time there was a world in Hollywood where guys were writing scripts in their car that became Terminator. Yeah. 
Is that a thing anymore? Like, well, can you, you know, there's, your... a, there's a good story about Octavia Spencer. She wasn't living in her car, but all her shit was in her car, and it broke, and, and she got a flat tire. And Keanu Reeves shows Keanu up. Keanu Reeves shows up, changes her tire. And then everybody clapped. Yeah, because yeah. it's Keanu. Number four, true or false, Linda Hamilton has an identical twin. True. True. To boot, her twin, Leslie, is featured in T2 during the scene that the T-1000 replicates Sarah to manipulate John into coming out of hiding. Uh, If you've seen the deleted scenes, she's also used in the scene where uh, Linda's going to break the T-800's CPU chip, and she's in the mirror. I'm way better at this when Captain Cash is not around. Just saying. Well, you're two for four. (laughs) Number five. The time machine in Genesis that sends Kyle back in time is recycled from which 1990s sci-fi movie? Oof. Is it A, 12 Monkeys, B, Gattaca, C, The Fifth Element, or D, Contact? Repeat the first part of the question. So the time machine in Genesis mm. that sends Kyle back in time is recycled from which 1990s sci-fi movie? 90s. 12 Monkeys. Incorrect. It's Contact with Jodie Foster. That's 90s? I thought that was 1997. Uh, so Damn it was originally it. conceived as a three-ring displacement machine. It was actually intended to be used in T2, but it was uh, deemed too costly and complicated for the production, which was already ballooning in budget. So it resurfaced yeah. in 1997's Contact. It's the machine piloted by Jodie Foster to go through the dimensions. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Dang it. So right now you're two for five. You got to turn around here. Oh, I'm feeling the pressure. I am feeling the pressure. So number six in Genesis, John Connor becomes a Terminator. Which other film in the franchise thought about doing that very same thing? A, Terminator 3, B, Terminator Salvation, or C, the movie that we are discussing tonight, Terminator Dark Fate? I'm going to vote Salvation. You're correct. And I think Woo. the film would have been much better for it because this is what how the film would have ended, but the producers thought it was too dark. Uh, the dead body of Christian Bale is being sculpted over the interior of Sam Worthington's machine-human hybrid Marcus. So they, then, the new John Connor machine, proceeds to kill every other character in the movie. Closing credits roll, Skynet has won. I think that's a better movie. Yeah, I, I, it's uh, at least it's got some balls. Considering how just disappointing that movie was, that would have been way more poignant. Like, I'll say this to a certain degree: this is how I would judge most uh, ongoing sagas of a movie to be. Like, how much interest do I have to see the next movie when the one I'm seeing now ends? Mm-hmm. And if yeah. that movie had ended in that fashion. I would have been pumped to see what comes next. That movie was so generic and lifeless. That would have been the only interesting thing to happen. And you know what? I still would have seen the sequel because of it. Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, you can, you can even argue that's probably the biggest sin of the, of uh, dark fate. Like it ends and I'm like, okay, well what's next? I don't, I don't really care. I certainly it's didn't sort care of, about a trilogy. Yeah. 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 No, it it was sort of done. Yeah. Like, 
and movie's over. Yeah. Okay. Did it hit me emotionally to a certain degree? Yes, but that's me because, as I said, I am the intended demographic. No, I think we're being probably a little overly judgmental because, you know what? The Entity 2 was very tidy. So let's not get too judgmental. T2 did put a hard stop on things for the better, but that's for creative writers and uh, producer types to overcome. That could be the naivete of James Cameron, though, thinking like, okay, I I did this now and it's over. Now I know you have the rights, but it's over, right? Let's not take away. That was awesome. Yeah. It that was a great. It was cool. It felt it was satisfying, but then yeah, I think the biggest sin is they tried to re- resurrect it and they didn't quite find what to do with it. But hey, let's not judge here too harshly. How many properties suffer that same fate? Oh, so really? Many. So many. right? Yeah, yeah. So here's hey. one that sort of speaks to it: how this property was mined exhaustively to the point of no return. Over the course of the series, both TV and film, there was a TV show. How many actors have portrayed John Connor? Now, here's why I need the over-under. I'm going to say five. It's seven. Uh, That is shocking. If you can name five of them, you get bonus points. And I'll throw in... (laughs) I'll throw in Uh, Nightwing in Travolta's wig room. Edward Furlong, Edward Furlong, the guy from Genesis, and Edward Furlong. Oh, and I'll throw in Pee Wee Herman. So it is Furlong, obviously. Nick Stahl, Thomas Decker was in the Sarah Chronicle, in the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I never watched that. Wait, Bale. no, that's just that, wait, wait. That's just another that's just another way of saying. Oh, I forgot Bale. Sorry, uh, Decker. That's just another way of saying Harrison Ford, right? Yes. That's that yeah, that's same guy. that's the, that's the Blade Runner crossover. Yeah. All right. Continue, continue. Jason Clark and then of course in T2, there's actually three John Connors in Terminator 2. Michael Edwards is John Connor at the park during her dream. Ah, uh, okay. Edward Furlong and Michael Abbott yeah. is old John, the creepy guy with the binoculars. Okay. Uh, um I ignored all that. So, last question. Number eight. In the credits for Genesis, Arnold's character is not billed as the Terminator, which he is in every other movie. What is he called? Is it A, Pops, B, The Guardian, C, T-800, D, The Obsolete Design, or E, None of the Above? I don't know what it should be, but I want it to be Pops. He is nicknamed Pops throughout the film. But it's the Guardian. Yeah, pretty tough, pretty tough quiz. I dug pretty deep. On that note, we're gonna take a quick break. We come back, we're just doing recommendations. And that is it. We're back on Hops and Box Office Flops for our Terminator Dark Fate episode. This is the end. We're just gonna do our recommendations. Uh, maybe mine's a cop-out, but I do recommend you see this movie. I think it deserves an audience. And I think the things that it does well, it does very well. And the fact that it's derivative of T2, yes, is a problem. But if 
you haven't seen T2 as many times as I and Shamsilla have, I don't think you'll have as much of an issue with that. So it's worth seeing. It's got some cool action. It does have issues, but it's a B, B minus type movie. And I just, I, you know what? Maybe it's better it flopped, but because we don't need another trilogy. But it did. It deserved an audience. It sure. It certainly should have made less than Genesis. I'll break in here for a second because this is not going to be my recommendation. But Mr. Wizard, would you agree that there was a very satisfying send-off in T two? Very satisfying. And this movie also delivers a similarly satisfactory send-off. It's, it's not the same, but you, you get some closure. This but this it's, movie it's does very similar, yeah. <laughs> it, but it delivers some closure. So where I, I, I maybe you wanted more closure as a big Terminator fan, I didn't need a lot of closure. So this movie kind of delivered that. So that's kind of the weird thing. I feel like this is more for the casual fan than the hardcore fan. As a casual fan, I was satisfied with the ending. That makes sense. Now, here's my real recommendation. Because the other one is sort of a, oh, well, we're talking about this movie, and I think you should see it. I'm recommending Hands of Steel, a.k.a. Atomic Cyborg, which is an Italian-made ripoff of The Terminator, featuring big sexy John Saxon as a sleazy corporate asshole who funded the building of an android assassin, and Daniel Green as Paco Querick, the cyborg sent to kill a blind environmentalist before he has a change of heart at the last moment. This movie is so intensely 80s terrible. It's glorious. It's free on Amazon Prime. I found it by chance researching Terminator. Halfway through it, it becomes a prequel to Over the Top. And Daniel Green, by the way, probably best known for his work in Farrelly Brothers movies, including serving as Roy Munson's dad in Kingpin. It is. Wow. This movie is awful. It is fantastic. I I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah. It is worth your time. The music alone. Also the arm wrestling stuff. He goes goes from being an assassin to going on the run. It is such a half-baked, like, undercooked idea for a film. But it's unbelievable. And one of the funny things about it, I guess this isn't really funny, but... John Saxon, Nancy's dad from Nightmare on Elm Street. He's also in Enter the Dragon. If you've ever seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, seeing him in this weird Italian ripoff of The Terminator is really emblematic of the whole message of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Aging Hollywood star, not viable in America anymore, goes over to Italy to do like, half-assed whatever movie projects um now he he was in the screen actors guild so some of the movies shot in arizona so he wouldn't shoot the films that are shot in arizona because that it's not a it's not part of the screen actors guild so he's supposed to be in this big helicopter chase which you'll see if you watch the movie that goes under this bridge the helicopter crashed killing everybody in it but because he refused to be in the, the scene because he wasn't going to be in a movie as not part of working actor of the union because it was an Italian production, he stays out of this helicopter, saved his life. 
Wow. Because it, it hit the bridge. Like the the things broke off, went spiraling down. So you'll see you'll know what scene it is. But the Italian hitman in the movie, I forget his name, uh, he died. That that was it. I mean it's pretty wild. That's, like, that's why I, you forget his name. He died. Yeah, that was I, it. That was I, him. I found this out all by chance as I was researching Terminator. I just like I think I did like the in my whatever series on the Amazon Fire Stick, like Terminator, because I was gonna watch Genesis last night just to refresh. Oh no, no, yeah. no! I was gonna watch Genesis, and then I started flipping through all these like shitty knockoffs, and boy, there are a lot of them. And I was like, I need to watch this this 1986 movie. And really, I think it is the entire basis for Over the Top because there's truckers who aren't wrestle who he encounters. <laughs> Okay, I, I'm intrigued now. I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's something else. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll make my recommendation slightly less intense. Uh, it'll be a musical uh, <clears throat> recommendation. I think everybody should check out Jay Rowdy Walston and The Business. They're an excellent band based out of Richmond, Virginia. It's, it's Southern rock, little Americana type thing. It's good stuff. Uh, and they're awesome. I caught them on Austin City Limits a couple of years ago. And, yeah, it's a good band. You should check them out. Okay, right. You like Southern Rock? You like Americana? It so, could be uh, for you. Here's your spoiler alert, because we really didn't spoil the movie. Uh, I actively tried not to, since it's new, and I do want people to see it. But we're going to paraphrase. I spoiled the shit uh, out of it. We're going to paraphrase the late, great T-800. So jump off now. Uh, we won't be back. Actually, that's not true. We'll be back next week. Uh, although the we won't be back is is symbolic for this series because it's not coming back. We're coming back, and it's going to be really awesome and festive for a big Christmas spectacular. Jingle all the way. <laughs>